there, I'm Beverly Sartain, and this is the Holistic Coach Legacy Podcast, where you get support in being an impactful and confident coach. In today's episode, we are going to be featuring Arlena Allen. She is one of my She Recover sisters, and I'm so grateful to have her on the podcast this week. She is a wonderful woman who, you know, is very collaborative and is doing great work into the world. She's got her own podcast as well. And so I'm super excited to have her on talking about self-sabotage and how we can use coaching to support people in resolving their self-sabotage. So lots of great tips and tools coming your way. I hope that you thoroughly enjoy this. Many blessings to you. Welcome, everyone. So good to be here with you today. We have the wonderful Arlena with us. Thanks for being here, dear. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so happy that we're doing this. I I have to share with everyone that Arlena and I know one another through the She Recovers community. Um, The She Recovers community has a group of coaches, and they're always very supportive, very loving. Um, I love that community so much, and I'm very grateful that um, I was able to meet Arlena through that community. And so um, so here we are. Yay, super fun. (laughs) Yep. So we are going to be talking a bit today about self-sabotage, as I know that that's something that you support people around. And so uh, kick us off with a bit of a backstory about what brought you to coaching. So I've been in recovery since April 23rd of 94. So it's been a minute. (laughs) I really found a passion and a calling to, you know, once I found my way out of that pit of despair. It's like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to hear the solutions, right? There are so many solutions to suffering. And so I really started on this quest of helping others, women primarily, um, but I would attend lots of 12-step meetings and I would speak at meetings all the time and um, really just found this passion and calling for what, you know, trying to deconstruct, you know, why the pain, like, where is it coming from? How is it playing out in our lives? What is it holding us back from? What is it causing, you know? So just really sort of deconstructing and unpacking all that pain and all the different facets um, has just been fascinating for me. And so I finally left corporate America last December. I had the year of my career. My company did so well, it got bought out and they immediately laid off the entire inside sales team, which I was a part of. Um, but I was dying to get out of that field. And it was so funny because I do practice a lot of law of attraction stuff. And my computer laptop password was new job 2020. And I got laid off in December and that's, and I had already been in the process of being certified as a uh, wellness and recovery coach. So um, I I took the severance and the, (laughs) the big fat commission check at the end of the year. And I launched my coaching business. I've been doing it full time for the last six months and girl, I am living my purpose. So, and I really think about, you know, sobriety through self-esteem rebuilding, right? So it's 
what I focus on. I teach a class called reInvent and it's how to rebuild your self-esteem after heartbreak, heartbreak, trauma, and addiction because, you know, our self-esteem is really eroded during this period of like mental illness or, or heartache or people carrying around a lot of trauma. So a lot of people don't even feel worthy to receive the solution until they can sort of rebuild that self-esteem. So in my mind, you know, reprogramming the subconscious mind, the subconscious beliefs all around identity is just fascinating to me. I love doing this work and seeing transformations makes me so happy. Awesome. We have so much in common. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I know (laughs) this is, this is why we meet and we talk because I actually, I didn't know that about your story and I got laid off and is how I stepped into my coaching business. Really? Yes. And I happened to be, um, I knew I was going to do a coaching business. So I had already gone through my training. I had already started to set the business up. And then we unexpectedly got bought out and I made it through the first round of layoffs. And then they discontinued the service department, which is what I was part of. And so I totally relate to what you're saying. And luckily I had been working on my business so that I then stepped into it full time. So totally I'm feeling you on that. And then just the self-esteem piece, because my first year in my recovery, um, when I was doing spiritual psychology, we had to pick um, a quality of experience that we wanted to work on for the year. And I actually picked self-worth because worthiness was such a challenge for me. And I knew um, at that point that I really needed to dig into um, figuring out how to connect with my innate worth versus trying to get my worth from being great at work or trying to get my worth from relationships or trying to get my you know worth from something outside of myself. So yeah. I love the work that you're doing with people because I think it's so essential. And so how do you think that like the self-esteem piece ties in with the self-sabotage piece? Well, I'll, I'll start by addressing something you um, sort of triggered a thought for me, which is, yeah. um, and it really ties in. So I really believe that we only allow into our lives what we believe we deserve on a subconscious level, right? And so, you know, you talked about seeking outside of ourselves to fix an internal problem. And we are trained to do that from like day one, because as children, we are not in in control of our environment. We have to sometimes set aside our wants and needs to appease the adults who are in control of meeting our needs and our wants. And so we learn from a very early age to seek outside ourselves, right? We learn to, you know, those of us who've had trauma in the past, we learn to disassociate, disconnect, deny, suppress all of our feelings so that we can, um, you know, make other people happy so that we can be happy. And so that cycle of needing to make others happy so that we can be happy, that becomes this barrier to um, really feeling that self-worth. But it also is the barrier to like, um, it's a C word and it's not the bad C word. Um, Contentment. Sorry. uh, My brain's like, too many drugs in the past. (laughs) Um, Contentment, like really peace. And, and that, you know, achievement leads to 
contentment and peace and satisfaction. And so we put all, we get into this loop of putting something, a barrier in between us and peace, let's just say. And um, in this idea that I need to do something so that I can feel that that sense of contentment that comes from achievement, right? I'm such an achievement junkie, you know, Home Depot's thing of more doing, girls, (laughs) my husband and I giggle, more doing, I love that shit, oh my God. Um, But it's, you know, it's this, it's this loop. And so I just want off the hamster wheel right? Like I want to spend time, allow myself spending time, just go ahead and feel the feelings. Like we can visualize things as if they've already happened. I really do believe in like the laws of attraction. Um, I believe in quantum physics and science and the laws of the universe. And I also at times neglect the spirit of love and grace. I feel like I stray into the area of um, I grew up super churched with the idea that God's not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. Right. And then I take that to the extreme meaning, meaning to think I have to do everything. Right. And that's not the case. You know, when I'm able to surrender, there's magic in that energy of surrender because it lets, it releases the energy of neediness and it allows neediness is the energy that pushes what you want away right? And and the universe always says, yes. So if you say, I want a new car, the universe says, yes, you will have the experience of wanting a new car (laughs) or, or love or a a thin body or whatever. Um, Sorry, I'm on a tangent. Your original question was like, how does it relate to self-worth, right? So um, in my mind, if we can do the challenging it's kind of tricky there's there's some practical applications to identifying those limiting beliefs and reframing them and and i focus mostly on um here here is the money shot right here you want to know what your limiting beliefs are think about what you want and then do a writing exercise why don't you have it because the story that you tell yourself those those are the clues to your limiting beliefs. And so it's, sometimes it's like, well, I don't know why I don't have what I want. It's like, well, why don't, you know, if you did know, what would you say? <laughs> you know, why don't you have? And so that, and, and so that is the starting point to reframing some of those limiting beliefs. And um, I really believe that we attract on that subconscious level what we feel we deserve what we're capable of, what we're worthy of. And so when we start changing those beliefs, it's mad. It feels like magic, how everything else starts to change as well. Absolutely. Yeah. In spiritual psychology, we call them unresolved issues. And we look for the unresolved issues within the consciousness, which is what, what you're talking about. And so, yeah, I love that you're doing that deeper work with people like within their consciousness, because oftentimes we just try to shift things around externally when we're not addressing really what's going on in the consciousness. And I I find that when in coaching, you can support people on taking outer action, but also help them shift um, internally, that that's when people get the best results for themselves. Yeah, really the, yeah. the outside is just a reflection of the inside. Like you do have to take right action, but you won't be able to do it consistently if the underlying beliefs are, if you have mindset issues or the unresolved issues. 
Totally. So you um, tend to help, it seems, ambitious professionals because that's <laughs> who you were, right? And so I can see how like you would be such a great fit for people that are in corporate America or, you know, are, are, are just people that are professionals and maybe they are really committed to doing, 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 doing. Um, and I'm curious, like, what are some of the most common self-sabotaging behaviors that people bring to you? Well, the, so it really begins with the idea that if I just solve the money problem, the fitness problem or the romance problem, then I'll be happy. Those are all external things. Right. And so when I ask people to do the work of um, really rebuilt, repairing that self-esteem, it, what is required is the nobody wants to hear this. It's prayer, meditation, journaling, uh, journaling, sometimes in a structured way. I like to leverage this uh, writing exercise of the perfect day exercise. People can do the perfect, like what was your perfect day look like? Spend some time thinking about that, right? So the National Science Foundation said that we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day. And I think they said something like 80% of those thoughts are negative and like 95 are a repeat from the day before. So <clears throat> what this tells me is that we are literally living Groundhog Day. You and I are living, right? We are living in the residual of all of yesterday's thoughts and decisions, right? So it's like you think a thought, you have a feeling, you make a decision based on the information you have, and you invoke the law of cause and effect, you take an action, right? Then you've experienced the effect. And so we're like living in the residual of all of the yesterday's thoughts and feelings. And so my thing is, how about we start thinking some new thoughts and feelings? How about we invite some new information? How about we start questioning our thoughts? You know, just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it's true. Our brain is designed to think. That's its job. Its job is to think. So that consciousness that you talked about is about really, you know, and the meditation and the prayer and the journaling. And and I just mean prayer and meditation in the, in the most general sense possible. Um but it's about focusing on what you do want, right? What is it that you do want? A lot of times we are so disconnected from ourselves. We don't even know what we want. That's a very common thing I hear when people, you know, take my class in the very beginning. It's like, what do you want? It's like, I don't even know. You know? We're so disconnected and disassociated that we don't even know where to start or we're afraid to want what we really want. We think it's too... You know, that's saying, oh, don't get too big for your britches. You know, there's this idea of, you know, stay in this small little comfort zone. And, and that really speaks to, in neuroscience terms, it's called the default mode network. You know, it's that comfort zone. It's a thermostat. You don't get too high or you don't get too low. You sort of live in this comfort zone. And when we try to break out, this is why people self-sabotage. Sorry to do it. Great. going all the way around block to get to a point, but um the reason it's so difficult to break out of the default mode network is your subconscious mind is trying to protect you because it feels safe in this little comfort zone. And so that's when all of our, when, when we're starting to do something new, that's when all our self doubts and fears kick in. Right. And I have mm -hmm. a very practical, I'm a girl. I am so practical. It's like, let's do the fear setting exercise. Tim Ferriss has an amazing Ted talk and he talks about how to define your fears instead of your goals. And I was like, oh, I see a worksheet. <laughs> yes, I created this worksheet. <laughs> yeah. 
And the idea is that you write down the, you know, whatever your fear is, you write down all the worst case scenarios, like what could actually happen. And if that thing actually did happen, what would you do instead? What's your contingency plan? Right. And then now, you know what you would do should the worst thing happen. So then the next part is what is the cost of you not doing it? Like what is going to, what's it going to cost you? Of in, what is inaction going to cost you in three years? What's it going to cost you in five years? Right. What would you what are you losing? What do you stand to gain if you do take action? What could you gain in three years? What could you gain in five years? Right. And so that fear, which is, I love that an acronym, false evidence appearing real. Right. Uh, then you see it gets all the fears out of your head and onto paper, which is like a magical exercise in itself. But then you have a contingency plan. If the worst thing does happen, you know already what you're going to do instead. So no surprises. You can focus on moving forward. But I think the you know, the, the sabotage comes up when you start to try to break out of that default mode network and your subconscious mind is afraid, right? That's why yeah. we need coaches and support systems. It's all that fear that comes up in your subconscious mind. It knows where all the bodies are buried. It knows like your Achilles heel. It knows mm-hmm. the thing that you're most afraid of. And so it presents to you all the worst things that you could possibly be afraid of for your consideration. And then we get lost there. And then what do we do? We go back to our old coping skills, eating too much, picking the bad guy, ignoring the nice guy, spending too much money, impulsive shot. You know, we go into avoidance, right? We go into avoidance. Well, you've done such a great job of even sharing some tools with us, which I greatly, greatly appreciate. And you did mention that's why we need coaches. And so I'm curious about that. What do you think that coaching can do for people in terms of supporting them around self-sabotage? Well, here's the thing. Everybody already knows what they're supposed to be doing, right? You know, I know. I know what I'm supposed to do. I remember hearing Marianne Williamson years ago. She wrote this book called A Return to Love and A Woman's Worth, and she lectures on A Course in Miracles. And I remember her saying, if we just practice 10% of what we knew, our lives would be magical, (laughs) right? We only practiced what we knew. So the reason a coach is important, it's because we help people apply the information, Right. Like I just gave you some tools, the perfect day exercise, the fear setting exercise. Um, I said something else. I can't remember. I'm menopausal. So I don't remember what happened five minutes ago. Um, But listen, you have like you have all the uh, answers of the universe at your fingertips on Google. So the question becomes, why are we not applying it? Right. And so maybe that's not the right question, but a coach offers accountability. Like I do the reinvent self-esteem class that I do. It's in a workshop format. We do the work together in class because it sort of leverages the idea that we will do for others what we won't do for ourselves. If I know I'm in this class and I got to show up for you and, and to do the work, it's like we support each other by doing it together. Right. And I'll show up for you. Like, I'm going through some challenges. You know, everyone's got challenges, right? So I'm going through some challenges and I'm like, I got to double down on my self-care. So what did I do? I started hosting a live meditation, you know, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. for like 20 minutes. And because I told other people I would do it, I'm holding the space. I feel responsible, right? And there's some accountability there and people show up. And because I'm like, I'm holding safe space for them. I also submit to the process and then healed, you know, in the, in the process. Right. 
So I have learned how to set up my environment to support me, but we do it together. There's magic, you know, in, in religious terms, they say that when two or more are gathered in his name, that's when, you know, God is present. And, but when you and I are together, right. And we, and we share, we get vulnerable and we talk, there's something magical that happens. We, something increases exponentially, you know, and as women, we're accustomed to doing things together. Girl, we don't even go to the bathroom alone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you go to a restaurant and one girl gets up and all three of them go or something. Everyone's like, the guys are like, where are y'all going? We do everything together, right? So um, there's something magical about the sisterhood that happens when we do these workshops together. We, we help each other, but we're also healed in the process. So applying the information, that is the trick. And that's where that. we need each other. I am... Like application is my thing, Marlena. <laughs> so it is. Yeah. That's what we and do. I really love application. I love practice. I love all those things. Um, and I love what you're saying about coaching because that's one of my most favorite things about coaching. And I share it with everyone who will listen is I love that coaching allows for me to actualize yeah. as the coach while I'm supporting and holding space for somebody else to actualize if that's what they choose to do. And I just, I haven't found a modality that, that creates that type of synergy and actualization as I see with coaching and, you know, just the coaching space and what's, what's created there. And I love that coaching focuses on, like you said, what you want to create, what you want to be experiencing more of. Um, It, turns your energy to creation versus turning your energy to fixing a problem. And you talk about law of attraction, right? If you're always focused on, I need to be better. I need to fix this. You know, this isn't working for me. I'm struggling. That's the energy that you're in all the time. And coaching really helps you turn your energy to where you want to be going and what you want to be experiencing. Even if you're not fully experiencing it yet, we're working on moving towards that. And by doing that, in a a sense, you help dissolve some of the self-sabotage and what's going on in the consciousness because you're retraining yourself to focus on what you want to create, not what you don't want more of. There is there is a caveat to that, though, mm-hmm. because um, there's this lie in our culture that says time heals all wounds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. The pain waits. I've been sober for 27 years and doing 12-step work and all kinds of work, and I'm hearing people talk about resentments that they've had for decades Mm-hmm. unresolved pain and trauma for decades. And in my mind, it's so important to acknowledge the pain, process it and yes. help it resolve so that you can be forward facing. That's a part. There's a couple of things about pain that is important. You know, um, it is so important to be forward facing, you know, there's like a balancing act, you know, and I'm not talking a razor totally. Yeah. Not a razor yeah. edge kind of balance, but you know, acknowledge and process the pain from the past so that we can, I mean, I used to work in um, HR in a tech company and they did this training and they're like, they talked about demonstrating awareness. You know, people would call in with their complaints to HR and they would, they, people could not get off the problem until you acknowledge and validate their pain. Yes, totally. So as soon as that happens, 
you know, but that's in a healthy way that's acknowledging processing and resolving. And then, and then the other thing that I find really important, and it's one of the, um, the class I teach is a series of six classes. I think I'm going to have to add a seventh or eighth because it's, there's so much, but right. um, <laughs> there is something called the forgiveness process and the forgiveness process. The forgiveness is an interesting idea because you talk about fixing a problem. And I often hear people um, using language, like I, they felt like they were broken, mm-hmm. right? Broken or yep. uh, guilty or shameful. And so there is a way to address and resolve that guilt and shame so that we can receive guilt and shame are blocks to receiving, right? And so in my mind, it's the pain, the guilt, the shame. Once we address and resolve those blocks, then the whole, all the other exercises around, you know, visualizing, feeling the feelings as if it's already happened, being forward facing and, and Mm -hmm. balancing out the pain with, with, um, you know, being happy, joyful and creative, you know, it is sort of like this harmonious um, dance that we do that moves us forward. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're always supporting people around what's present for you and how can we acknowledge it and learn Mm -hmm. from it and be with it so that we can then move through it. And, and so, I love that, that sentiment. Right, right. You know, and and that's part of my story is that I was in victim consciousness for a very long time and not really wanting to resolve it and just kind of sitting in it. Of course not. And and it's so painful. Um, But there was a lot for me to learn from it. And now it's, you know, being able to leverage those life's challenges and, and use them for something good. So yeah, beautiful. So you've got your own podcast as well. Yeah. Um, the One Day at a Time, the ODAT podcast. Uh-huh. So how does the podcast support the coaching business? So um, I've been doing the podcast. So it's been about five years now. And the way it supports my coaching business is that it allows me to um, communicate you know, stories of transformation, you know, in church, they called it testimonies, right. And, and in the corporate world, they call them case studies or, you know, we just need to hear the epiphany bridge stories. It's like people are in a problem and then they have this epiphany and they're sort of able to walk the bridge into the the world of the solution. Right. And so the podcast that I have, you know, is stories, people tell their recovery story, like what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. But then we spend a good amount of time talking about solutions. Like what are some of the tools Mm -hmm. and tactics? I'm very tactical and strategic. I love, you know, when I first showed up to recovery, they were like, oh, you need to do the work. And I was like, cool. What is it? And I was like, oh, (laughs) I read that. It doesn't mean a damn thing to me. And what it was, was a largely a writing process for me. It was about writing. It was about writing is so amazing because it helps you to get all your thoughts down on paper and really examine your thoughts. I have a friend who used to say that um, you have a BS filter in your elbow and when you're writing, the truth comes out. (laughs) And that was kind of true for me. It's it's, you know, our thoughts are so fast that it's sometimes hard to even recognize what we're thinking. Sometimes we tell ourselves stories so fast um, and we don't even take a minute to examine whether the story is true or not. So um, I, I put out a lot of content that I hope will help people 
And ultimately, occasionally I will be like, and oh, by the way, I do coaching or I have a class. And if you want to learn more, my whole tagline is get sober, stay sober, go deeper. Right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, I like the go deeper part. It's the get Me sober. Too. And stay, <laughs> yeah. Get sober and stay sober is, is really important, but it's the go deeper that is fascinating to me. That's wonderful. It's great to hear. And so um, you've been mentioning the reinvent. um, Yeah. yeah, And you have an ebook around that. Um, So can you share a little bit more about all of that? Listen, you can get the ebook for free. It has all the exercises that we do in class. So if you're like, um, so the class, you can register for it at selfesteemcourse.com. But if you don't want to do the class and you're able, if you're one of those people who are able to apply the information that you, I will give you, I just want <laughs> my life's goal, just be well. That's all. If you, if my information helps you in suffering, then God bless you to do it. I'll give mm-hmm. you the book for free. Um but uh, so all the exercises are, are in there and everything. Um, I forgot what your question was. Well, yeah, that was it. And then <laughs> and and so through the conversation, we've been yeah. talking a lot about the the truth is that people oftentimes need the support and accountability yeah. of actually doing it in the yeah. class. Um, so we'll put some information in the show notes about that, so people can grab the ebook, but they can also access the class if yeah. they know that it would be best for them to get that extra level of support. Yeah. Um, and then, as far as legacy, you know, when you think about everything that you're putting out there, Arlena, what's ultimately the legacy that you would like to leave with these beautiful offerings that you have for the world? Uh, you're going to make me cry. Actually, I'm surprised it took this long. <laughs> um, no, the legacy. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that what we all want? We just want to live our purpose, right? My purpose is to help women, men, people out of suffering. And, you know, there's that. You ever see, hear that story about the starfish on the beach? Like, guy yes. walks along the beach, and there's tons of starfish, and there's a child throwing throwing some in, and he's like, "Well, why bother? There's so many." And it's like, "Well, it matters to that one, you know. If you can just save one, it matters to them." And the truth of the matter is, is that we're helping lots of people, right? And then, as those people, like the women, you know, mm-hmm. you heal a woman, you heal a village, you heal a family, right? Yes. The, the moms or the oftentimes the nurturers and um so yeah that's I just want to help that's my thing that's what makes me happy you are you are helping (laughs) and I'm really happy like um a synchronistic moment here that you brought that starfish story out because when I left my first real job I worked at a domestic violence shelter and I freaking loved that job but I needed to move on and spread my wings a bit and um, the staff gave me that story framed. Um, wow. Yeah, so that's I story. I've never told that story. <laughs> right, that starfish story, right. yeah, has a very significant meaning for that me. So, <laughs> right. so thanks for bringing that forward. And, and the truth is that we're doing this work together, and I'm yeah. so grateful that you've um, came on my path, that I've come on your path, and that together we can share our messages and, and hopefully touch somebody's life. And um, I greatly thank you for being here. Um, any last thoughts before 
we come to? Well, no, not really. Just, you know, that um, thank you so much for creating this safe space. And the magic really is in doing it together, you know, being of service and giving love and receiving love. It's like when we experience that exchange, that's, you know, that's where love lives. And you don't have to do it by yourself. There are so many people available to help. And all you got to do is ask. Right. Like I got to experience love today with you. You know, it's true. It's true. And then hopefully somebody listening to this will experience some of that magic and love as well. Yeah. And and may that be the ripple effect that we um, put out there so that more people can be touched with love and grace and compassion. Mm, So thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. there's only one thing that you take away from today's episode, may it be this connection between coaching and self-sabotage and how coaching can be supportive in helping people resolve their self-sabotage. If you're looking for next steps, check out our website, holisticcoachtraininginstitute.com. And thanks again for listening and taking the time to be here with us. Always remembering that the Holistic Coach Legacy is a path, not a destination. So stay course, step into your dreams, and know that you are fully supported. Much love to you. Thanks for being here with us.